So the first time I think I met you, Josh, or, or I became aware of you was uh, yeah. two, 2000, yeah. 2015. I had uh, just started at Pivotal. I, uh, yeah. I had flown to San Francisco. Andrew Clay Schaefer was there. So was Matt Stein. And somehow, uh, despite being an adult, I had gotten roped into the situation where we rented an Airbnb instead of separate hotel rooms. Now, that's a whole other story. It's actually fine, but it's a little weird. And uh, we were walking to the office, Andrew and I. And I forget what part of San Francisco we're in. I mean, obviously walkable to the Howard Street office. Yeah. And uh, and and we, we came upon a tree, you know, a tree where it's like cut around. You can see the dirt. And there was a stack of old books there. And uh, right on the top of this old stack of computer books was some rocks book by you. No doubt yeah. about spring. You know, W-R-O-X, those, those books. I think it was rocks. Those books that have red covers on them, the tech books uh, with red covers. And they would have... If they were multiple authors, they would have multiple black and white squares of all the authors on it. That wasn't me. I, well, I maybe maybe it wasn't that, but it was a Josh Long book. It might have been another another maybe thing. Eight yeah, maybe it was that. And okay. and it was it was you know I was looking through that, and uh, Andrew was like, "Oh look, there's one of your coworkers on a book <laughs> that uh, so so ubiquitous and out yeah, there right. that someone has just uh, discarded this pile of tech books, oh, and uh, and there he's." And he's there. So you on our team are the person who has worked here longer than I have. All the way back, I think, when we okay. started it. Now, like, a, like a fungus you can't get rid of. That's right. That's right. And you are, you are, I think in my mind, you are perhaps the most famous developer relations advocate person that I know. And, and uh, just, just by sheer nature of, of people who, uh, who like you and talk with you and you've been around for a while. So I think you are a good example of a of a of a pure developer uh, advocate relations person, an evangelist, as we used to say. Yeah, and we don't anymore. No, very important. Was was there a memo about that that I that came out before I got into this game, or what what uh, what happened? Well, okay, so a couple of things. Thank you for the kind words. I appreciate that. Uh, I I don't think I've I don't think people are so so enamored of me in particular as much as they are with, with spring, which is, I, I think I've ridden that, that, that crest, you know, that's, uh-huh, uh-huh. Been, so it's been a good ride for me and I've gotten more, um, uh, I, I'm affiliated with this thing that people love and therefore just by proximity, you know, I, I haven't, uh, I haven't been fired. What, so, what, what you're saying is you're a really good surfer and it's the waves yes. that are carrying yeah. you. Although that's going to be a very, I'm going to live to regret that statement because I'm going to Hawaii soon and <laughs> not actually a good surfer. So it's going to hurt a lot. And, you know, goodness mm-hmm. knows I don't want video. Uh, okay. So that's part one. Part two, um, uh, the, the, the developer advocate versus evangelist. I joined the spring team as an, as an, uh, as a developer advocate in 2010. Right. Mm. Uh, and so when I, my boss at the time, the, the, uh, my, the predecessor, you know, before, Andrew Clay Schaefer, who's a, you know, a mensch, right? Like legit, amazing, awesome. Uh, before him, I had two other bosses, right? And the first of those was a gentleman named Andrew, uh, sorry, Adam Fitzgerald, right? Adam, he had ideas. He was smart. He thought about this stuff. And so he called me a developer advocate. And as I didn't really know what an evangelist was or a developer advocate, I didn't really have a strong opinion one way or another about what what I was referred to. But I would later understand that, you know, the the connotation of an evangelist is, well, there's a connotation, you know, like it, that's the problem. It doesn't matter if it's a good one. It, it's got one, right? Whereas with a developer advocate, half the people don't know what it is. Yeah. Uh, and if they do, you know, it's sort of middle of the road. It's not good nor bad, right? Yeah, no, uh, I, I think I think you're right. The, uh, the, the evangelist thing, you get it coming both ways, right? Like one, you're going to offend actual christian evangelist right well i don't know i shouldn't i i'm not one of them so i don't know like but i would assume that people don't like you hijacking their name that's based Fair on- enough, right just like i wouldn't want somebody hijacking uh my title as chief ascii art uh expert exactly so, exactly and, and then on the other end you're you're offending people who aren't christian evangelists potentially who, or, who don't. Or, or suggesting that you are in some and, way responsible right. for and and if 
and and you're evoking any any hostility that someone might have. I mean, pe- there's all sorts of each group doesn't like other groups in general. Right. So you're always running the risk of like evoking the 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 disliking that they're having. And yeah. you know, so so there you go. I think the term advocate is uh is more interesting. So what what is what does that get to meaning? When as as you were going on, yeah, what did that role become? Like what so does that mean? Discovered, there's the other thing that is implied with the the evangelist title. And again, maybe it's wrong. I'm not. I don't have a particularly strong theological background, but the implication <laughs> is that it's a kind of a when you're an evangelist, it's not really a conversation so much as it is a didactic. Here's the word from on a high kind of thing, right? Like you're not. Right. There's no back and forth, really. It's just up there, and here's the mouthpiece, and it goes down there, right? Uh, whereas. The, the developer advocate actually serves two different masters. It's a, um, a developer advocate serves the community, right? Um, yeah. The developer. Uh, and he or she serves, or she or he serves the, um, the technology or the, the community that they're, they're, they're trying to help. So, for example, I work on the Spring team. Uh, I care about Spring. I care about the community. If the community is not happy, then I don't have a point. There's no reason for me. Right. Yeah. Well, everything I do is really about finding ways to make them happier and to communicate whatever their use cases are back to the engineering group. And then when the engineering group has something interesting to say, which is in the case of Spring, you know, quite frequent, but it may not necessarily be the case for a lot of other technologies. When they have something interesting to say, it's my job to help amplify that message, uh, keeping in mind that if I get feedback, I want to communicate that back to the team. So I advocate for the developers in the community on behalf of the spring team um, as opposed to advocating for the spring team, right? Uh, whenever, whenever, right, 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 right. Yeah. I, I, I do advocate for the spring team, but that's not, that's not actually my priority. And my so, priority. so like, like what is, what's an example of that? Like when, when have you, when have you talked with the developers yep. or, you know, it may not just be them. You're not necessarily just a conduit. You can also come up with ideas of your own. You're a free thinking person but you know what's something that you've advocated for and like how does that how does that work like just down to do you do you, do you dm someone on twitter or do you like go have coffee with them like what's all the mechanics of it you know okay so let's say let's say i, I i'm interested in bringing an idea to the community on behalf of the spring team right yeah that is just the usual it's this it's a podcast it's YouTube videos, it's conference talks, it's being a boots on the ground. You know, you, you get on a flight and you, you're there to, to, to help win somebody over, to help win the war of ideas, right? That's one part of it. On the other side of it, somebody says, you know, we would like support for this. And so if it's small enough and it's like trivial enough, I'll just do it, right? I know how to do it. I can do it. I will do it, right? So, um, I've just written a bunch of code in my life that has everything to do with just making this community or that community feel more involved. Yeah. Feel more connected. Right. Um, and so a lot of the terrible things, a lot of the atrocities I've committed to different code bases have everything to do with, uh, just making it work. Right. There's this thing out there that people want to use. Here's spring. They're not quite aligned. I can write the glue code. Right. Uh, and so for example, one, one example, I'll, I'll never forget. Uh, in my travels to China, I discovered that there's quite, quite an insulatory sort of community there. That's, it's amazing. It's legit amazing. It's completely crazy compared to, uh, you know, the, 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 the community here in the States. But you wouldn't necessarily know that if you weren't in China, right? You really need to be there and just talking to people or at least know who to talk to once you're, you know, from online. Yeah. Uh, and so, before the, you know, BC, before COVID, right? I, I made a point of making a trip to China every year. I'd spend a, a week or so every year in China just to talk to the community there. Because there's a, it's a, they consume a lot of open source. And a lot of them even publish open source, but it's in Chinese. So, so you need to find somebody who can help you uh, uh, navigate that whole stack, right? There's a lot of really good stuff there. I mean, they, not only do they consume a lot of the stuff from the West and from the rest of the world, and bring it into their own. But a lot of times they take that code and then improve upon it and and, right. and disperse it back into the community. But of course that community is usually sort of 
in the Chinese sphere. You know, it's it's hard for people with without to see that. So one thing I discovered that was kind of a surprise to me is there's this technology called uh, iBetas. Yeah, and iBetas is a a SQL database record mapper thing that's been around in some permutation for the better part of 20 years. I mean, it's just been around in this, in the JVM ecosystem for decades. Right. And I, if I'm honest and, and, and forgive me, it, it could, it could actually just be me being ignorant, but if I'm honest, I hadn't really heard of it being used much in the last 10 years in the West. Yeah. Yeah. But starting in like 2014 and whatever, I get, and then, you know, we, with the advent of Spring Boot and so on, I get so much feedback from everybody in China saying, we're reusing this at scale, you know, like, oh my goodness, scale, you know, like, not just like your mom and pop shop, but like your mom and pop, you know, Alibaba, whatever, you know, like insane, insane scale. And it's prolific. Everybody in the community was using it. Right, I didn't know anybody using it anymore, without you know from without from outside of China. And so I get I get to China, I'm like, oh, this is a thing people want. They really want to use this. So you know, I went and started working on the code to to make that work with Spring Boot. Right, fine, small stuff like that, or you know, just there's a community, there's uh, like Vaden. Vaden's a technology people use in the JVM ecosystem. I worked with them, you know, and uh, I literally just spend a lot of time as much as I can helping people uh, bridge these technologies with our stuff or helping them at least understand what they need to do to do that on their own. And yeah. yeah. And, and so, I mean, there, there's an interesting uh, product management function there, which is almost, yeah. I don't know a better phrase for it. It's almost like scouting, right. Kind of just going out there and seeing what's happening, especially, mm-hmm. especially in areas, as you're saying, like, like China that are kind of hard for, uh, you know, American product managers to, to figure out like t- takes a, speak Chinese. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it takes a lot, it takes a lot of effort. And, uh, and, and the other part of it that I think is, is interesting is kind, uh, kind of unlike, so, you know, there's plenty of people in various industries that do scouting, like, especially arguably in some way, management consultants will kind of go look around. I mean, at least this is what they're supposed to do. They'll <laughs> kind of find new business opportunities that like, their clients, the large organizations, the mom, pop and brother and sister shops and whatever, you know, the big family shops at scale that they, you know, to some extent, they outsource some of their finding business opportunities to management consulting people sometimes, not all of it. And but the thing that's different or that's additional about what you're describing, about what, a, a you know, what you do and other kind of developer advocates can do is you can actually kind of experiment like by writing code and doing integrations, like, is this something like, can we actually connect this to our product? And, you know, that work doesn't have to be like perfect at first. It can just be experimental, but, and then you also have the connection with actual customers or end users, developers to see if everything works out. And, and that, that function is, it would be time consuming to have your core team you know, your core product team working on whatever framework and your product manager and things, product managers to kind of like do that a lot. So it's, yeah. it's a good, I don't know, it's, it's a nice function. And it also makes me, you know, our friend Richard Schroeder, who went to go work at Google, he, he heads up, it's a weird name, but I, you know, I kind of have like, I understand the precision of it. He has outbound product management, <laughs> which I think to a certain extent, I'm sure there's some more formality to it, but it's, more or less what you described, right? My, my sense is maybe, I don't know. I don't actually know exactly what it is, but it's a similar function of um, every time I think of that phrase, I think of, uh, what is it? Is it a, um, is it a clam that puts its stomach outside of its body to eat things? Or is that a starfish? I forget. There's, there's some sort of weird creature that like the way it eats stuff is it uh, puts its stomach outside and covers you in its stomach to, uh, to eat it. Okay. But you know, cause that's the, the outbound part. I feel like, you know, you're disgorging something. Okay. I don't, I'm just telling wow. you what goes on in my head. It's not a, it's not a, uh, that analogy is loaded with no judgment, uh, at all. But, uh, so, so when you, when you take that feedback yeah. back to the various spring or, well, so or VMware so, Tanzu people, like what is that? What's that like? Well, so if there's an itch and I can't scratch it, then 
yeah, I, my next step is just to help connect people uh, in the community to people in the spring team. This is, and I don't know if uh, the spring team ever anticipated this. Nobody on the spring team ever told me to do this. Uh, um, <laughs> but I'm very happy to bring up a spring engineer in an email with anybody in the community, right? Right, right. I absolutely connect these people without asking anybody. I, I you know, I have no problem uh, just... And I love the spring team. And the reason I love them is because they love the community as much as I do. So, so far, at least so far as I know, nobody has had a problem with this. But it occurred to me, you know, it's 2021 as you and I record this. That means I've been doing this for 11 years. And I've not once regretted it or even had a second thought about it. But, you know, as I talk to you about it now, I'm kind of wondering if that's maybe I should have asked. You know, like, I don't know. But anyway, I... I, I don't even I don't even forewarn the uh, the engineers. I'll just I'll just say, hey, community member X, Y, or Z. Uh, here's you know uh, one of the engineers on the Spring team working on this very thing. Here's their direct line. Feel free to spam them. You know, like uh, it's not quite that bad. You know, but I I'm very happy to connect people. I want to connect people. I want them to feel like they get aligned to the Spring team. And the Spring team, by the by. Um, they're all about that, right? So when I joined the yeah. spring, what I got was uh, somebody put it to me this way. They said, "Look, before you got here, Josh, you, before we we had somebody like you, a developer advocate, um, we were all miniature developer advocates. That is to say, to be on the spring team as part of Spring Source, the company that incepted Spring and all that stuff. <clears throat> to be on that team." Uh, most engineers, most people were 60% engineer and 40% public speaking, relations, development, right. whatever, right? So nobody could just sit in a basement and code and ignore the community. They all had to wear multiple hats, yeah? And when I came along as an engineer, somebody who had worked on the spring team and contributed to the code and all that stuff, uh, when they had me join as a developer advocate, the ratio switched. I was now 40% engineer and 60% outbound outreach you know focused um but the point is it's in the dna it's in the spring team's dna they've always wanted to be there with the communities they wanted to meet them where they are right uh and so they didn't need a developer advocate like me until 2010 remember spring's been around since in some incarnation since 2001 right so the fact that they got nine years without having a developer advocate should tell you a lot right uh, no no exactly i mean like it it does raise a you know, an interesting, like an interesting, I don't know what idea, which is, it seems like open source communities are very well positioned to have advocacy or as we used to say, evangelism, or I think, you know, I think like the CNCF likes to call people ambassadors, right? But, but like this role that you have, like it works really well in an open source community. And, and, you know, to be cutesy about it, the reason it works really well is it's just part of it from the beginning. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, the nature of open, if you do open source alone, I mean, technically it's open source, but like, nobody, cares. not, not yeah. really. Right. Yeah. Like, and so it's already like, like you're saying with the spring people, it's just, it has to be part of what you're doing because you are private otherwise. I mean, it's just like, I don't even, I don't need to define it. It's part of it. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and it's, you know, it makes me, it makes me, yourself, yeah. it makes me wonder, like, is it, it's probably harder to do advocacy stuff as we're calling it like from a closed source world and then the immediate test would be like you know there are advocates for like public cloud stuff yeah and public cloud stuff is always a little like it's hard public cloud stuff is as parent obviously in the past few years is really like not muddled but really modified a lot of the assumptions we have about software development and open source and things like that because yeah. you know a lot of what you're doing in the public cloud is open source, <laughs> open source stuff. At yeah, least you're using it. Their work is connecting open source communities. Yeah, yeah, and 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 it's almost like because it is so frictionless, as we would say, to start using public cloud stuff. Yeah, you almost can do the same sorts of advocate techniques that you can do with open source, right? And 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 I guess to kind of connect it back to the open source thing. I mean, obviously, I'm just thinking out loud about this. I would imagine, and you know, <clears throat> we've experienced this with certain platforms. Uh, it's hard to advocate for a set of software or a platform if it takes like a week to get up and running with the thing, 
Nope. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so that's another reason why I think public cloud or service public cloud services are easier to do advocacy for because you can just start developers can just start using them. Right. Like yeah. you don't you don't have to as as people, especially as our friend Andrew Schaefer used to say, you know, step one, invent the universe. Like, right. you know, <laughs> you don't have to go through that. But it no. is a it is it is a a nice role. Now okay. See, that- but to that to that point, by the way, yeah. just to, to, to I, it, I love uh, Cloud Foundry, right? But that's never been my job, right? Which is interesting. I don't know if people know that. Like, nobody's ever told me I need to go out there and talk about Cloud Foundry. I work on the Spring team. I care about Spring. I love Spring. It's the thing I joined. It's the T-shirt I wear. But I spend a lot of time out there talking about Cloud Foundry and these days about Kubernetes. But that's just because it's cool. If it wasn't cool, I wouldn't talk about it. We have plenty of products at uh, VMware that I don't talk about, not because they're not cool. Maybe it's just I don't know about them. But the point is, you know, my I, I think that's kind of an interesting dynamic about the privilege that I've been able to enjoy uh, at VMware and then Pivotal and then VMware again, which is they really want open source people to love the open source stuff that they're working on and they're not trying to sell. Yeah, only, yeah. Of course they want to sell, but not, I'm not that vessel. I'm not the vehicle through which they, or by which they do that. Right. Um, and that's cool. And they understand that you, 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 uh, what's the right word? Uh, cannibalize your goodwill when you start suddenly like, you know, pitching, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. No, you know, that brings up a, a point I, or, or another topic I hadn't thought of, which is, all right, so so I want I, I want to I want to slide into you know some some other uh, slightly what's the word potentially smarmy topics, and that oh, that's, that's, that's the point of it is in this role as you were just saying, there's this it's not even a gray area, it's almost like a treacherous like Indiana Jones rickety bridge in a cave, and which is like this this connection between the money. Like yeah. the business nature of stuff and the like, you know, I don't even know what to call the other stuff. Let's call it, this is a very fraught framing. So like, you know, d- yeah. don't everyone get all messed up, but the community, right? Yeah. Community is a weird like thing. But right. so, so the first thing is I'm interested in, and you mentioned this, like, how do you think about the role you play in like the brand of Spring and Pivotal? previously and VMware Tanzu, like, cause there is in our role. And obviously if people don't know, Josh and I are in the same team. We work on very different things, but like, I feel like there's a huge amount of our role that is just like brand building. I guess people would yeah. call it influencer in, in the, 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 you know, the, the TikTok thing, but it's just mm-hmm. sort of like your job is to make people think we're cool because you're cool. <laughs> right. And like, oh. like, like, so what do you, oh. For like me, what, what do you, what do you think about that 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 well, stuff? How do you think through it? I think that it's all a big lie, and if people realize the truth, uh, that I wouldn't have a job. What 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 I'm 100 <laughs> convinced of is that people think it's not the, it doesn't work that way. For me, it's actually worked the other way. They think I'm cool because Spring is cool, right? As opposed sure, to sure. they think Spring is cool because I'm cool. It's and so and and, and the the litmus test, the thing you can do is like. Imagine you've got Josh and he's out there like doing demos of COBOL in like WebSphere or something, right? It, you know, I can't make that cool. I can't, right? Nobody's going to like it. I'm not going to be popular. It's not going to be a thing that people enjoy. So uh, like that's part one. I, I'm writing Spring's coattails. I'm very happy to admit it. I love Spring. It, it lifts all of us up, right? Um, that's part one. Um, and then in terms of like the brand, you know, like, I, I don't know. I mean, I was, well, you know, I, another, another phrase people use that these it's, it's funny, these like evangelism and the phrase I'm about to use, they go through like, you know, three, five year cycles of like, like anything, you know, yeah. like a digital transformation is another one. Like, yeah. like what, once they become useful as a linguistic tool, because people know what it is and they're widespread people, you know, it's like, you know, uh, it's like, That's you know, every, everyone liked that first Green Day album before they were famous. I don't know what I don't know what a current analogy for that is, yeah. but it's that, that same thing. But like another phrase people use is thought leadership. 
right? Like, and, and it is, you know, in my mind, the point of thought leadership, a brand, as I'm calling it, of influencing is at the very least, again, you can be riding the wave or the coattails or whatever. Like yeah. you can't, you can't thought leader around like a pile of, of crap, <laughs> right? Like there's, right. there's no amount of polishing a turd that's going to make it seem great. It's like, it's well, that's, no, that's my point, right? Right, right, right. But however, you know, uh, I think what, what this thing I'm poking around at, it helps establish is gaining at least two things. One is just sort of like the benefit of the doubt that like, oh, there's something interesting going on here. Like I know the technology is good and it's good to get people talking about it. Right. Yeah. And like, I enjoy hearing them. And that leads to the second thing, which is like uh, just adding to the ongoing helpful noise about the topic, just sort of like evolving what it is, how to explain it and something beyond like commercial driven marketing, yeah. but just sort of like, yeah, these are topics and here's ways of thinking about them, like reflecting on my own role in this. Right. So like, as I'm sure listeners of this know, I don't code anymore. Like I just do PowerPoint and talk about like meatware and process. And, you know, when I think about my role in brain, is, Kote. <laughs> that's right. When I think about my role in brand and thought leadership, it's just basically to say, uh, you know, here's ways of thinking about what all of this means. Like, why would you, why would you want to rapidly do software development? Like, what's the point of that? Kind of explaining why you would want to do it. And then, of course, I mean, being purely commercial, like to tell people that VMware does that. And then previously, like, oh, and by the way, Pivotal does this as well, right? Like to kind yeah. of connect. And that's the influencer part is like, and, you know, to be jokey about it, it's sort of because it's not always quite interchangeable, but like, you know, you could decide to wear New Balance, ASIC, Nike, Reebok, or Puma shoes. But if there's people you like wearing one or the other, maybe you'll choose that. Or maybe not even over, but you'll choose it in additional, addition to other things. So I don't know. I mean, I don't quite know how I, how I think about that stuff, but I think it's important to, especially if you're in the business side of like advocacy and developer relations, like there is there is some connection to a business side of it. <laughs> and I think it, it doesn't really come up very much. What's that? Have you figured out what that what that is? Because I would love to know. Well, I think, you know, it's I think if you are if your business and now see we're sliding into the business side, which I think is a, another fruitful area to discuss. But I think if you are selling a highly transactional thing like a SaaS, it's a lot easier. Right. Because you can directly track like did people sign up for this and yeah. are they using it? But you know, spring is notoriously hard to monetize. <laughs> and, and also like. In the, the open source project, right? It's just. Uh, yeah. And, and also the type of, um, except for uh, a little, there was a little bit where, uh, uh, you know, you could sign up for like pivotal web services. And I guess we have some things in VMware Tanzu that are SaaS oriented now, but essentially anything that you or I, there's some people on our team that are not the case, but like if you wanted to give VMware money based on like us, yeah. like it'd be, it'd be difficult for you to do that easily in a, in a trackable way. And that's the yeah. issue is like our effect is hard to track. Exactly. Uh, and this is my, this is why I'm so, so eternally grateful because I don't know why I'm here. I mean, I hope people are happy with the work I'm doing and I sure, I sure feel like I'm doing a lot of work. But it's very hard to correlate my impact, you know. I I don't know. Is it like eyeballs? Does that matter? Because I is that the thing, you know? I'm sure there's cheaper ways to do it. I don't know. Yeah. I have no idea. You you just uh, that that's what I'm saying. Really smart companies today, like VMware, like uh, well nowadays Google, like Microsoft in the last five ten years, you know, uh, these companies get that goodwill is currency, right? If you yeah have, yeah if you if you can build the goodwill among a community that turns into something how it doesn't happen immediately you can't say i did this in february and in march this happened right but you can say i did this in in february and then like a year later somebody else found that video and that helped them on their journey and, and, and yeah, it, yeah yeah exactly come to us eventually but it's a long tail it has to be a long tail and it's just endlessly mysterious to me i i confess i i have no idea why this works but you know Seems to nobody's yeah. nobody's nobody's fired me yet, you know. So so then 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 slightly away from the developer relations thing, as I mentioned, 
like uh spring is notoriously hard to uh to monetize yeah and and even more so i mean my my perception of that is one of the reasons is i'm going to put it in an extreme way to kind of provoke okay. a conversation and i don't know maybe it's true it's like i feel kind of sort of like the spring community is allergic to being monetized <laughs> like and, well, and and let let me put it in form of a milder question is like what is the spring community's like position on selling stuff from the spring community or monetizing it like what what's the deal with that it's not so okay there's two parts to it right you know uh what's our friend uh software the software is the new kingmakers right the um, Sure, the the Red Monk people. Right, yeah, our buddies over at Red Monk. Like the, I don't know that there's a direct connection between revenue and your average software developer, but uh-huh. they create noise, and that noise eventually impacts decisions in organizations. You have it. It only takes one engineer to go off and say, "Hey, I have an idea. Let me prototype it. If it works, we can try it. If not, fine. We'll just do whatever vendor X told us to do." Right, and and if they you know, scroll away and they decide to prototype something in spring and it works, it makes people happy, right? So you get you get people excited about the technology. Then it's sort of like, well, okay, we need infrastructure that'll complement the use cases uh, that are supported by spring. So remember, spring isn't infrastructure. It's code, it's libraries, it's modules right. that you add into your code. But you still need a platform. You still need supporting infrastructure. And the discussion of what infrastructure you need is guided, it's informed by what you can hope to do with Spring. There are use cases that you didn't have the ability to address that you do now with Spring, but those use cases require uh, a sort of a, a mirror mi- mirror image uh, sort of support in the platform, right? Or in the infrastructure for that, for that code base. So for example, uh, if you want to do functions as a service, you can write a function in Spring, but where are you going to run it, right? Somebody has to run that for you. We don't provide a function as a service runtime. Um, if you want to do a gateway, we have an open source API gateway, right? But how are you going to operationalize that? So we have a we have a product called Spring Cloud Gateway for Kubernetes, right? Um, you know, if you want to run it on a platform, well, my goodness, we have an amazing uh, Kubernetes distribution. So all these things, they're not. There's no correlation. You don't need these things to run Spring. But if you're going to run Spring and you want to take advantage of all these use cases, it can't hurt to have these things. You could use other things, to be sure, right? But it's just easier this way. So, so you know, part of the, 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 I don't know if it's stated, but the, I mean, I think, I think every open source community, especially one as, as uh, venerable as uh, the spring world, like they have to ponder the business side of things and, and the relation they want to have with it. Right. And each, each yeah. licensing regime kind of, kind of implicitly has that in it, uh, you know, uh, Anyways, so it seems like at the maybe there's multiple acceptable ways to make money off of Spring. And the first one is, as you were describing, you've got to run this somewhere. And so, yeah. like, you know, wherever you may be running it, that's fair game to monetize. We're not oh, going to be we're not going to be upset about that. So whether it's a platform you're running on or or if it's a. Well, OK, OK, so then let's go to the next one. How about me. like how about like packaging stuff up? Well, so, okay, back to that point, though. It's yeah, yeah. So we had, like, a long time ago, right? We had um, uh, on, on, at SpringSource, you know, more than a decade ago, right? Um, at SpringSource, the company that created Spring, it, the same thing became kind of clear, which is you can't charge people for Apache 2 licensed completely open source code. It just, obviously, that's, you know, you can't say here's the open source or you can pay us money. Uh, you can to a point where you're, you're saying it, you can do it for support, but invariably, what, where, where you really sort of hope you can make a, an impression is with the infrastructure. So, for example, we had um, uh, a, a Tomcat, a, a sort of supported production-grade version of Apache Tomcat. That was a TC server? Yep, you yeah. got it, right? Um, and so that, that actually, that was, that was infrastructure. You could use regular Apache Tomcat, and it would, it would work just fine, in fact, the, the bulk of the work that we did with Spring was against regular open source Apache Tomcat. So it wasn't just supported. It was the default. It's what we expected people to use, right? Um, but if you wanted to have a production-grade thing, you could buy 
TC server. Uh, what about monitoring, right? If you wanted to monitor these apps in, in production, you could use uh, Nagios and all these other things out there. But we had this thing called Hyperic, which is, you know, we were selling, right? You didn't have to buy it. Spring worked just fine with all these other ones, obviously. But if you wanted to, you could buy that. And so it was really just sort of like making sure these little things were there for the infrastructure tier. But you only got that discussion started by winning the hearts and minds of the developers who hopefully, you know, prototype something and then that brought the name uh, into the organization and that meant, made it easier for people in procurement to sort of want to go where the uh, where the energy was, right? Where the, the interest was. See what I'm saying? That makes sense. Okay. So, so then as I was getting to, and, and you kind of provide an example of this, how does the Spring community feel about just like, packaging components like like let's take something that i know a little bit about like you could look at uh spring cloud gateway right yeah and you could you could kind of say ah this would be a great thing to really i could kind of just white label this like and like not that i'm going to try to erase the spring name at all but i could just be like i have a pre-configured thing that you could buy and i will sell you also integrations with various stuff right And for whatever, for a thousand dollars a core, you can buy, you know, uh, like you know, Aces Spring Cloud Gateway Enterprise Grade Hootenanny. Right. <laughs> and, and so, and so, like, would the Spring community like throw up all over that, or would they just be like, "Oh, cool," and just go on with their uh, their lives? You mean if we white labeled it and it was not clear that there's a connection to Spring? Or if it was just like, you know, you're just basically adding just a few a few things and then just selling the whole thing, right? Instead of saying, oh, we're selling support for it, right? Instead, you're kind of just like packaging it up and, uh, and basically selling it as its own product. Well, so I don't know how the Spring team would react to it. I don't, uh, the community, I don't know, because we haven't done that, you know? But like, okay, so Gateway, for example, Gateway is a good example. With Gateway, uh, it's a Java API. You can configure it through um, property files, but that lives alongside each microservice. It lives in each Java program, right? Yeah. But if you want Gateway to act as the gateway for your whole Kubernetes cluster, then something needs to glue Kubernetes concept of an ingress controller with Spring Cloud Gateway's ability to proxy requests Right, so somebody yeah. had to write that glue code. That's that's not Java program code. That's Kubernetes cluster code. That's a whole piece of whole different piece of infrastructure. And so Spring Cloud Gateway for for Kubernetes does that. It's it's not that you couldn't do it yourself. It's just that you wouldn't want to. Right? Uh, it's Kubernetes uh, CRDs, lots of different CRDs that do different things that elevate Spring Cloud Gateway from just a library that your Java app can use to something that can serve all apps in the Kubernetes cluster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so 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 let me let me uh, let me remove the sentiment from this cuz I think cuz you know my impression is the spring community. I mean it's it's ASF licensed, right? Yeah. Like I, I mean I mean what if you live if if part of your culture is ASF, it's kind of baked into the license that your attitude about people monetizing your your code should be kind of like eh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like so it's sort of like part of the whole uh would that be an ethos? Definitely not yeah. a pathos. That would be an ethos about you know what uh, what's going on there. So let me yeah. let me put it in a, another way: is that sure. if if one wants to commercialize Spring, right? The the normal easiest. Uh, what am I trying to say? Uh, what you're supposed to do is right. is commercialize using it, not the thing itself. Right. And using it, as you were saying, might mean integrations like with Spring Cloud Gateway. So it works with Kubernetes or uh, whatever. I I don't know my Spring stuff like I used to. But, you know, you could even I guess you could even argue that the Spring Initializer and Spring Boot, you could. And I, I think we do this like you could create a bunch of like, here's a catalog of pre configured things. Right. In and we've private labeled the Initializer and Spring Boot. And now you have a catalog of like. 500 managed things you can build in there that integrate yeah. with stuff and, and they're commercialized. And I think like no one would really object. <laughs> like that would be yeah. totally fine because you're following that principle of, 
you're making money off of people using this and 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 configuring it and how it's run and how it actually is put into use, not yeah. just the thing itself. I don't know if we do it, but I do know that other organizations do that, right? So like Kroger and uh, other large organizations out in the world have taken the spring initializer and customized it. Exactly. Right? They've added bits on top to make it appropriate for their workflow. And, and that's, there's two things to it. I'm not saying that these are specific entirely to these different organizations, because certainly there are some things that are common across all these different uh, enhanced spring initializers that we could in theory, just build ourselves, but we didn't because it was, we, we keep that thing in very small in scope, you know? Um, yeah. I, 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 I love that with spring, we can release this open source thing and that can serve as the foundation for different different use cases. And I know that some people actually have a private thing in their organization that, that is catering to their use cases that goes a good deal beyond what the regular open source initializer does. Yeah, yeah. for sure. No, tons of people do that. And it's, it's like, that's the point. I mean, that's one yeah. of the main points of that. All right. So my well, last, my, I guess what I'm trying to say is if we did that or something like that, I don't think people would be allergic to it because it's not like it's not like it's proprietary. Like we we make this thing open source. We don't have any other advantages that any other organization doesn't have because it's all Apache two licensed. You know. Right. Right. Exactly. So my last question, my last topic is okay. uh, here here in Amsterdam. It's coming up on eleven a.m. in the morning, which means oh, yeah. for you in San Francisco, it's two a.m. Yes. And 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 like. I've talked to you uh, for your podcast when it was 2 a.m. And like my my suspicion, I mean, I wouldn't even say you're a night owl. You're beyond night. You might be a night hawk. <laughs> Boy, I wonder, are there any night hawks left? There was one in Austin. I think it moves somewhere. When I go back there, I'm going to see if that's still around. You know, an actual diner, not just a frozen food. But like, what, why are you up so late, Josh? Is this oh. is this just what you do? Is it like, are you caught in like a loop where you have ended up being late? Or is it is this just part... What's the deal? I, so <laughs> I, I think I've settled into a, a, a rhythm where in order to be able to have conferences and customer interactions uh, with people in the Americas, with people in um, Asia, and with people in, in, in sort of EMEA, you know, Europe, Middle East, Africa, um, I, if I work from noon-ish uh, California time, San Francisco, California time, uh, until about three in the morning, right? Then I can do that because noonish gives me everybody in continental United States and everybody in South America, yeah, uh, and, uh, you know, and, and North America, you know, Canada and uh, Mexico and so on. And um, that's just fine there because you know New York is three hours ahead of us. But that means if I if I jump on a call with somebody in New York or on the East Coast at noon, it's only three o'clock in the afternoon there. I can still do a three hour talk, and most people are fine. Or I can address a Java user group in the East Coast there. Or I can do a customer meeting for people in or in between, right? Kansas or... or yeah, 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 yeah. So that's one thing. Um, then right around 5, 6 o'clock in the afternoon, California time, Asia starts waking up. So Japan first, then, uh, you know, uh, then China, and, you know, it just keeps going further and further uh, for the West. Um, and so that goes into the evening to the point where it's like around 9 o'clock, uh, my time, India wakes up and starts, you know, you can start doing conference calls with them. And then uh, Europe wakes up. So you're in the, you're in the Netherlands. Uh, the UK wakes up an hour after you do. Uh, but I can start talking to people in Russia, right? Like around 11 o'clock my time. Then people in uh, the Netherlands run around midnight my time. And then people in the UK around one o'clock my time uh, and, and so on, right? It, it just keeps going. So it's, I'm able to, and and you remember, I used to travel. I used to get on planes. That was the thing we all used to do. The difference now is that I just, I, I, I can do all these presentations and I don't have to be there in person. Yeah. It actually seems like a really nice deal. I, um, you know, I think, uh, let me summarize. I think it's because you're mindful and compassionate of other time zones. I mean, obviously <laughs> it, it also, it also means like, you know, like you said, because then you can function, but I, you know, since living over here and even when I was in Austin, I feel like. I mean, obviously, outside of the uh, the hemisphere, because for Latin America, it's fine, or South yeah. America. But 
like California is the most inhospitable time zone for the rest oh, yeah. of the world. Like, yeah. and I guess it's because you've got the Pacific Ocean over there, right? Yeah. Which, and you're you're on the extreme end, but just like the only time, aside from you being nice, but the only time that I can talk with someone in California is basically. 4 p.m. if they wake up at 7. It's not even wake up at 7. You got to wake up at 6 to just right. like, you know, get your mind wrapped around Coffee, stuff. yeah. Yeah, or I have to talk with someone at 5 p.m. my time and it's 8 their time, right? So it's yeah. just like doesn't even work for that. And then like, you know, forget about talking, you know, to people as you were saying in like the rest of the world. And so it's just, uh, yeah, I mean, that makes sense that in, in the, since you're a nice guy in the role that you have, you would uh, shift to a late night schedule. I, I'm... I'm built for late nights. I've always done late nights. And, you know, when you and I used to travel before BC, before COVID, uh, my schedule was erratic. You know, it, my circadian yeah. cycle, was a, it was just for show. I didn't have a, you know, it was just a formality. I had a, where my circadian rhythm would have been, there was an IOU, you know, uh, so. For your life. <laughs> yeah. Like, you'll get it back one day and then this terrible pandemic descended upon us but the one thing that's the one silver lining is that it's just been a regular rhythm for me it's been nice for the last 15 months to have exactly the same hours of sleep every that's day true. It, it is a it is a big shift all yeah. right well that that was great it was it was i think uh it's always fun talking with you You know i have a uh, i mean i have the files but there's a lost recording that we did back in istanbul a couple oh, of years ago that every now and then I try to get to that and uh, edit it. But I think, I think we just, uh, we had too good of a time talking. It would just right. take t- too much editing to get anything to make yeah, any sense fine. of it. But uh, yeah. now we finally have a, a solid interview here. Why don't you tell people, uh, I mean, tell them all your stuff. You're, you're Starbucks man with an X over yeah. there on Twitter. I'm and on the uh, Twitter. you have your own podcast. Tell, tell people what, what, what you got going on. Oh goodness. Okay. So, uh, every, every now and then I get on the Twitters and I say something stupid. You can find me there at Starbucks, S-T-A-R-B-U-X-M-A-N. I have a podcast called A Beautiful Podcast that gets released every Thursday. So that would be yesterday, my time, uh, you know, all of like three hours ago, the episode would have gone live. That's Friday for the rest of the world, effectively, except for like Hawaii. Um, and, um, and that's a podcast where I talk to amazing people like Kote here and, then I have a screencast, a YouTube series that I do every Wednesday called Spring Tips, uh, and that's at, that's at Spring Tips Live, and it's Beautiful Podcast, B-O-T-I-F-U-L Podcast. It's at Beautiful Podcast. Um, what else? Yeah, yeah, you're you're very prolific, and I, I admire your consistency with your podcasting guests. I don't know, uh, I don't know how you even find that many people or figure out how to talk to them. But me neither. Like, I'm I'm intimidated by your ability to like every week be talking with someone. It's uh, it, it's very it, odd. <laughs> we're in like 150 episodes or something. And I don't know how because yeah. I honest to God I I didn't think it would last this long. I, I need I need I need to get some counseling from you about this. Is a question I I didn't get around to asking, but I always like to ask people is like, let me boil it down. Which is like, how do you talk to people you don't know? <laughs> right, like that's that's. But that's a topic for another time that we can go over. Right. All right. Well, well, well uh, a blog I do every Tuesday, which I've been doing since January of 2011. Every Tuesday without fail, January of 20, first week of January 2011. So it's oh, this, yes. this week in spring, right? And have, have, you done, have you done a screencast yet showing your tool chain behind that? We talked about that a long time ago. You should do one where you just go over like, you're just like, all right. I am going to do a live stream video of me doing the newsletter. Like, right. I think, I think that would be really helpful to see like what it is you do. Cause that the, um, the, um, the task of doing a link driven newsletter right. on a weekly basis, I don't think has ever really been solved. And so everyone cobbles together their own tool chain uh, for doing well, it. I don't, pre- I don't pretend that mine's the best solution, but thanks to you, and a, and a fateful conversation, I don't know, five years ago, you pointed me to something like something called Pinboard. Oh, yes. And I love Pinboard. And I've written a number of tools on top of that. And that's actually github.com forward slash this hyphen week hyphen in. So oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Maybe yeah. maybe I should use your code because Please the, do. the one time this was solved is back when it was delicious. And yeah. delicious had this function way back somewhere that was basically 
every week take all of your delicious bookmarks and you can sort you can do it by tag yeah. and and post it to an XML RPC endpoint. Like, you know, post yeah. a blog of it. And so you could totally that was like the best link blogging experience I have ever had. And I've spent so much time trying to recreate it. It was yeah. amazing. Like, and that's uh that's all that we need. But well, Pinboard, you- the guy over at Pinboard for whatever reason didn't implement that part. But ever all of the other stuff is uh Fantastic. I even build it. It has an they have an API, so it works nicely. The apps, the client apps, are not great on the iPhone. Like if you want to share yeah, a yeah, yeah. inboard, it's gotten worse in the last few years, which is a bit of a bummer. But nonetheless, it's still a good tool chain. And there's yeah. a there's a new one called Pins that I've been trying out, and people, uh, it actually <laughs> part of <laughs> part of the benefits and the features that it lists is updated. That's a big deal. <laughs> yeah, or right. yeah, the apps. The apps never get updated, right? Yeah, they, exactly. How is yeah. the API for pins? Well, it uses the Pinboard API. It's just an app. It's an iOS app, so it layers oh. on top of that. But I think the promise is that it is actually worked on. And, right, uh, that's what yeah. I want. I'll check that out. Thank you. Yeah. Because for my aggregation, for all the collecting uh, and scouring the web for useful links, and by the way, I've written software bots that monitor Twitter and news feeds and all that. And they automatically submit all this stuff to Pinboard for me with the appropriate labels. Then I have another, like a little studio, a little software thing that I wrote that gives me the dump of all those. Exactly. As a markdown yeah. file and then post in a blog, right? So all of that, you know, I, it's all just Pinboard until it's not, right? It's the, all the tools need to speak Pinboard. I'll, uh, I'll tell you what, if we'll, we can find another time if you want to be up all night. Sure. And and you can come on Tanzu Talk, our, our VMware thing, yeah. and you can walk me through putting your newsletter together one week. And Let's that will it. be that's that's what will be on uh, on Tanzu Talk. All right. Well, this has been uh, thanks for being on, Josh. It's great. Thank this, you. this has been a, a a software defined interview, you know, in software defined talk. And, uh, you know, it's it's always fun to talk with Josh. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, I don't know what number will show up as, but you just go to softwaredefinedtalk.com and you can find it. It'll be there. And I'll, uh, I'll try to put links to all that stuff Josh mentioned. And, uh, you know, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. That'll be our formal interview, Josh. That was good stuff. That was great. Good to see you, my friend. Always fun talking with you. Crazy. All right. Well, I got to go talk with uh, some of our coworkers. I should probably go to, what's it called? Go to Sleep. bed. Yeah, yeah, that's right. All right. Well, uh, I'll post this probably on Tuesday. You're amazing. I appreciate you condescending to talk to me, and I uh, I hope we do it again sooner rather than later. All right. Goodbye, everyone, including Josh. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>